Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Musai Collective. I'm your host, Lindsay Cabrera, and today you'll be meeting Anna Schneider. Anna Schneider is a DJ, producer, radio broadcaster, label boss, tireless creative force, and mentor, renowned as one of the hardest working figures within the music industry. Currently focused on her Seuss Music Project, the home for her own productions, including the critically acclaimed So Me album, as well as creative contributions from avant-garde artists she admires. Anya continues to operate as one of electronic music's most vital artists with a busy release schedule, an internationally syndicated weekly radio show, and a thriving interview podcast series. Today, we discuss the importance of staying productive, how the creative sector should be properly represented within the government, the power of radio, and much more. You can follow this musical Musai on Instagram at Anna Schneider Official. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here's Anna Schneider on Musai Collective. Hello, Anya. Welcome to Musai Collective Podcast for Season 2, Episode 2. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. How are you doing over there? <laughs> yes, I'm doing quite well. I mean, I'm still in Germany, in Berlin, still in, in kind of a lockdown. You know, mm. we can see light on the end of the tunnel, but it's still like, oh, you're suffering, you know? I mean, like everyone else. Yeah. And I have my good days and I have my bad days. Today, it was a good day because we have almost 30 degrees in Berlin, which is always changing everything, your mood. Everyone is smiling. Everyone gets friendly and everyone is outside right now. And I just even had a little Spritz on the street. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I was like, oh, this feels like I'm going to a bar, which is nice. So I'm in a good mood now. Thank you. Perfect. Well, the last time I actually saw you was in 2019 at Electric Island in Toronto for the season finale, day two, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I remember that was just such a fun day. And, you know, little did we know we'd be like sitting here reminiscing (laughs) about those days. So, you know, it's so crazy. But live events came to such a fast halt due due to the pandemic this past year with the cancellation of all live music festivals and club nights. And for you as an internationally touring artist, pre-COVID, this must have been such a change for you and a shift almost surreal probably to not be able to, you know, travel and be on that dance floor, do that energy exchange with your fans and, you know, gig and tour. So what's your perspective on the importance of staying productive and positive during these strange, strange times? (laughs) It was for sure in the beginning not easy because I'm doing this since more than 20 years and mm-hmm. my life is old, you know. And I was absolutely sure what I'm doing the next weekend at Fort Montladada and the weekend after. So and suddenly all this falling apart, and which was quite heavy because sometimes you have suddenly you have time and you have time to spend first of all with your family, which is wonderful, but. After a while, it's not easy because you can't escape, escape and mama is always there and you, you know, you have to arrange yourself with everything. And then, of course, uh, you have so much time for yourself, which is also for me a challenge because suddenly you think about, oh my God, what I have to do? Because normally you don't have the time. And it's a quite a challenge because you have really the time to think about yourself. Is this the right position where I am in life? Did I reach everything what I wanted? Was I happy enough? So you're really quite asking everything. So this was in the beginning quite heavy for me. And of course, there was also kind of like a depressive hole because every time also when you're producing music, you know, okay, you get inspired from the weekend and you can test things, you can test music. And all this was suddenly not there. There was no, no, no good feelings, no vibe. And it was quite heavy to deal with this in the beginning. And um, 
but after a while, I feel really comfortable because I was always in a position I couldn't say really no. So, and suddenly there was a no. So there was this time what I had, which was also interesting really to think about all these things, what I said before, to question all this. And um, it was quite, after a while, quite positive, you know, and if I look now back after a year and checking my sometimes my whatsapp chats you know where i was uh, chatting with people okay it's three o'clock in the morning you pick me up at the hotel and eight o'clock <laughs> i have to go to the to the airport i, I can't think i can do this anymore it's <laughs> really so from a really strange part of my life or from but it was quite good because of course when first this shock was coming over us i always i i really came to myself and i started also some podcasts because i'm coming from radio history and i wanted to have more time and do a podcast and interview people like you do because we have so many interesting um personalities in yeah and so i think we have to give everyone also space and and it's interesting to hear all the stories where we surrounded by and this gave me a chance to to do this, um, which makes me also happy. And then, of course, I was quite often in the studio, but it was also like a process because you're not producing music for the dance floor because there is no dance floor. Yeah. And this brought me sometimes back to all this music, what I really want to do. I was a little bit going more slow, breakish. I, I was really ready to experiment something, so, you know? which normally you're always like, oh, no, I have to test this. And then when there was not going the arms in the air, like... Oh, <laughs> so this is all happening which is wonderful somehow you know mm-hmm. but of course after all this while we're all missing all these spaces because when you think more over your shadow personal shadow i mean clubs venues festivals and all this environment we are in is the most freedom places we have in the world and if all this is not surviving or not happening anymore, I think the world could be really dark because everything we experience, we get inspired from plot noise and everything that happens sometimes during a night is can be really changing your life and can be really inspiring. And I think club nights are the most free places. And this is something what I'm a little bit worried. And this was also something where I was worried if a lot of these little places will survive. Of course, probably the big festivals will survive. Of course, they're struggling too. But I think it's really necessary for everyone that it doesn't matter where you live, that you have your one little space where you can get loose and go at the weekend, see your friends, experiment, see other sexualities, you know? Yeah. And this, I was really worried about it. But um, for me, in my perspective from Berlin, I can say, I think a lot of spaces and places will survive and had a lot of help. And this was also a good thing because in the beginning, I could see that a lot of people were standing together. There was an amazingly support. And of course, as we as a DJs, everything is awesome. Our Instagram is awesome. Our travel is awesome. Our hotel is awesome. The club nights are always awesome. And suddenly there was no awesomeness, you know? And I could feel that even between my colleagues, there was like a really honesty and and. I had a lot of talks where everyone was like, hey, I'm suffering. You know, I don't know how I to pay my, my rent for my house when I bought. And this was really nice to see that people open up somehow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now I think it's time to get back. And, and I hope we learn all of, out of this, you know, mm-hmm. and stay a little bit like this. And the scene get a little bit more recovered and that we respect each other more and be honest to each other and come back to everything what it's about and it's about music it is and it's funny as you say you know this kind of the I want to call it like a music ecosystem it all is connected right like you said like the people are coming to the club or the festival to 
escape and enjoy themselves. And for me and my friends, I mean, I, yes, I worked in the business too as a PR. Um, so two things, like I would love to go and to go to an event and also dance myself because I love the music and it's just like it's dance therapy and you're with your friends and you're smiling. And it's so good. And then also on the other side, like working on site at a festival for like 13 hours a day. I was like, how did I, I think that too. How did I do that? <laughs> but you know, and you reminisce and then you're like, oh, but I really miss that feeling of the dance floor. And, and of course, for the artists and the promoters and the people organizing the events, all of the moving parts, production, the, the sound guys, everything. We're all a big unit ecosystem and we're all like mm, missing everything. So, so interesting. But, you know, I do agree like this global lockdown has given us the time and space to stop and reflect and honestly really think about everything while we're at home. But I also think I'm assuming that it's also been a great time as producers to get back in the studio and create music um, because you have a moment. <laughs> but how has that approach been for you for making music and how has your approach evolved during lockdown? It was wonderful because like I said, I had not the pressure that this track has to be like functional on the dance floor next weekend. So I was completely free and I felt this freedom, which was good. And of course, everyone had suddenly more time you could do more remixes, what you couldn't probably not do before because you didn't have the time because you were touring. So it gives me much more freedom. And it somehow it makes me a little bit more secure about myself because sometimes you're always testing and you think you're completely in competitive with, with all the other things, what you're hearing at the weekend. And you didn't have this. And this was giving me an amazingly freedom and to do whatever I wanted and to do also risk because sometimes we were not doing risk anymore because everything has to be in this ecosystem has to, to run good. And this was something what I really liked. And still, I hope I can take this with me and I grow on this and this is good. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, you don't have to have that pressure of like the club banger dance floor. Like you can get more experimental or down-tempo moody or something like this if you feel like it because people are at home and also chilling and like hanging out maybe. That's the vibe. <laughs> Not always like, yeah, but also... I love a good yep. dance. How <laughs> you make the same experience? Because when I started this podcast and talks, I started it also from the idea because everyone was worried and no one was knowing what's happening. And, and mm -hmm. something ridiculous, we can't handle it. Yeah. And so I think that everyone felt the same. Feeling I gave something back to the people because they were lucky to hear that DJ XY is in the same position than blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and people don't feel so alone if you're talking to one another and sharing your, how what's really going on, not pretending on Instagram. Oh, we're great. Yeah. Maybe we discuss it. And then you're supporting each other because that's where I think people can fall into. Like maybe one day you just can't get out of bed because you're like, Oh my gosh, my entire career that I've worked on in 20 for 20 years, or maybe you're a new artist or, you know, in between whatever level you are as an artist. I think of course it has affected everyone in different ways, but I think coming together as a community and supporting one another is like so important in this industry, especially, but you know, also the live music industry saw so many great challenges with the closure of everything. And some countries didn't see any support from their government for those in the music industry or creative arts. And, you know, what are your thoughts on how the creative sector should ensure it is represented within the government in a way which is appropriate to its own cultural and economic importance? I mean, I worked, um, I also be in the association called Britain United, which was an association which was found two weeks after lockdown. Mm. It's like agents, managers, and DJs. And we have now 270 agencies in this association and 3,000 artists. Now I'm a speaker for the artists. Oh, wow. And what we did in the beginning, because we had to get all together, because everyone had questions. And actually, we found out we have no 
association, you have no one who speaks for us, for the politicians. And this is why we built this and found this. And I had a lot of experience because we were a lot of, in a lot of meetings, discussions with different politicians, and they had no idea what it means to work in this business, especially in Berlin. The whole economy builds on electronic music class. And that's surprising for Berlin. The whole Germany, they had no idea. Yeah. I in different discussions, they were looking to me and they had no idea what it means. Before an artist go on stage, how many people work in the background? Oh, yeah. It's not just the, the artist coming on stage and performing. There's many, many moving parts. <laughs> and uh, we all have great teams and we are not like spending and now we can easily have a year off because everyone, it doesn't matter what kind of, in what kind of genre this DJ is, the resident on a bar or you have like a global player. We're all in the same situation. The global player build up a business, has maybe 30 people that work for him. So it was quite interesting that they had no understanding about us. And mm -hmm. we were talking in really long discussions and telling them about our ideas. And now we get a little bit more having a voice. We get more taken serious because we were somewhere between, you know, the super nightclubs and um, yeah. what, what to say, you know. So we were somewhere between the sex workers and whatever, you know. And then yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> now we have a voice. I think a lot of people understand us and understand what kind of impact we are doing for young people, what kind of impact we are doing for the industry. So this was quite an interesting year and was quite interesting for me to have all these talks and to grow also with this. Mm -hmm. That's so important. That's really cool that you guys formed this. That's so important to have some kind yeah. of representation. Mm -hmm. And I have the feeling in Germany, it was doing something so we got probably i hope that we get more accepted, that people really looking to us now and thinking okay they're doing something great they're doing something to keep all the kids from the street and we are actually a really really big business part and we all pay our taxes we're growing our business because this was really a thing what was really big in germany they told mm -hmm. us back you have to build your own business and now they're leaving us completely alone it doesn't matter what mm -hmm. the business and this is now changing so we get accepted and probably you read about it and get now all the nightclubs and now cultural um, things in Berlin. We, we're getting now call ourselves yeah, cultural installments. <laughs> and what was the name of the association called? The association called Booking United. Okay, Booking United. That's so interesting. I would like to link this below in your description of the podcast so people can check it out and see what's going on and, you know get involved if they'd like to, especially if they are in the industry as well. As you mentioned, you're also a broadcaster with a primetime Friday night slot on Berlin's Radio Eins with your weekly show called Club Room, which is syndicated globally to an international network of FM and digital stations. Super cool. So, you know, what's the power of radio as a format for music and why should it not be forgotten about, especially with all the options we currently have for listening to music? It's quite a difficult question because for me personal I grew up with radio and I would be not on this when I would not listen to radio and I was actually in a small town and the only thing I had was this little radio station and there was one show they played this music what I like so of course nowadays it's completely changing because everyone there is a show for every genre what you can think about you know yeah so still loving it because uh, I'm not doing mixes I'm just doing this one mix for syndicated but I like to play a track from the beginning to the end and tell the people something about it that actually this track is made by this and this and da 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 because I have the feeling with all these streams now and sets and whatever people losing a little bit the value of music and mm -hmm. it's every track there is a lot of work from everyone in there and this is also not automatically for free 
So, yeah. you know, and I think people have to learn this because when I grow up and I remember I bought my first maxi single, you know, the vinyl and I was 12 and I had to pay quite a lot of money and there were two tracks on it, maxi versions, which was less than <laughs> seven minutes. So, and all this is now gone because you have streaming, streaming and you have this Alexa and how they're all called. And this is sometimes a little bit sad. Yeah, no, I remember I, my very first tape cassette, I begged my parents to buy me the Michael Jackson Dangerous cassette. Mm-hmm. I still have it. I'm not throwing that out. <laughs> I don't have a cassette player, but I still have it. <laughs> Lifetime. Yeah. And all the like dance mix 94, 95, all of those. I've, I, I was like, I want this. I remember going to this record shop with my dad because he wanted to buy Dance Mix 93. And I, I, I think my dad is responsible for my love for electronic music because I, re- I remember that day. I don't know why. <laughs> but that feeling of buying the physical or the radio, especially like you said with the radio, waking up in the morning. I remember being like, I don't know, 14 years old or something and getting ready for school, but listening to my favorite radio station. And, you know, it's it's part of the, the industry, I think. And it's important to keep having radio broadcasts People are forgetting about it. The streaming is kind of pushing it out. Yeah. I think. But yeah, like what's, let's talk about Club Room. What kind of guests are you having on the show? And, you know, what can listeners expect from your series? Okay. Let's talk series. <laughs> because I did radio shows since a oh, long time. I had always a guest back in the days. And the Club Room is only one hour, which is syndicated. And mostly I'm doing a mix by myself. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I need sometimes also during the whole lockdown. It really keep me refreshed and keep me in contact with music because otherwise you would not hear it and say, I don't care, you know, and I would lose it. And this would be terrible. So I really want to, I want to all listen to this new music, what is coming out. I like to listen to new music, what people sending me. So, and this keeps me fresh and keeps me alive. And if I would think this is kind of a word that keeps me like, oh, I have to prepare a couple, then probably I would be not. So it's a passion project for you, really. Yes, it is. That's how and, I feel as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's always changing. You can't say a couple of it's like techno or house. It's really moody, you know. Sometimes yeah. I'm like Monday morning at midday and <laughs> and then you can hear it. And I love it. And this is more like, you know, it's always um you can expect everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, broadcasting is definitely an art and like I said, I can relate with producing Musa Collective and, you know, speaking to someone fresh and new every day. And like, you know, you're over there in Berlin. I get to talk to all these amazing women. And I'm like, ah, and after we have our talks, I feel left inspired and so happy. And, you know, this is completely passion project for me. And then it pushes me forward. And I'm like, I just love doing it. So, you know, what are some of the ways to be as comfortable alone with someone and a microphone versus being with a large audience behind the DJ console? And, you know, how are these both art in their own unique ways. I started radio and uh, I started before uh, first radio and um, I was asked by my radio station if I want to present the stand show because I was curating and was programming it anyway and I thought yeah why not so and this was during this time where radio had a lot of listeners and then I got the first request to be a DJ and I was like if I can do radio for such a bunch of, bunch of people, I can do easily club night. <laughs> this was the most stupid thinking ever because of course <laughs> the people standing just in, right in front of you. And if you're like doing this shitty track or shitty mix, bam, you have to <laughs> it. So I learned that. So, and I prepared my club gigs much more. But I love radio and I'm always, yeah, when I'm in, at the moment because of the lockdown, I'm preparing my radio show for the Radio 1 is always at home. Yes. And when, yeah, I like to go to the station and then I have this radio feeling. I'm standing in this radio studio and I like it. I like this little nervousness, you know, that you get 
a little bit nervous. And yeah, and sometimes this makes for sure a difference. And when I started the club room and I started the club room backstage, this is actually the talk where I'm inviting guests and we talk as long there is something to talk about. Uh, I like it. And I was in the beginning very nervous because I really want to have the best out of it. I mean, you probably know it. Yeah. It's always interesting because sometimes you never know how this talk or this show goes and what kind of direction. I mean, you can have like a red uh, line, but you never know how you're guessing. Yeah. Yeah. If there's a vibe or an energy yeah. or maybe yeah. hopefully they're in a good mood. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, this isn't going very well. Is it? <laughs> weeks ago I had Dave Clark and I was super nervous because mm-hmm. he is like such a critical and so interesting person and of course I was super nervous I was preparing <laughs> myself for two days and I was so but in, in the end it was all good you know? it worked and out and sometimes I like this also probably you know that I like to challenge myself and I want to extra invite or ask guests where I'm like oh my god now I'm under pressure I have to <laughs> I don't have to be stupid question. <laughs> you had to breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. You want to get a little deeper and like under the surface yeah. layer conversations. Yeah. Kind of a challenge and I like it. So, mm-hmm. But it's for me, I can't see the difference. And I mean, of course, I, I, I see the difference, but I can't say what I like more. If I like more to do radio or more club gigs, it's too different from each other but um, they are mm-hmm. both is really essential saying it like this yeah. and i'm super happy to have this radio career otherwise i would not survive this lockdown no for sure exactly it, it's so great that you're doing this and i'm sure that when your guests come and they speak to you they probably feel the same thing like oh that was so refreshing because you know there's not much happening with tour life and the gigs <laughs> i came over to the studio which was also like kind of a good test that so I had like a wonderful interview with Joyce Moniz and we had so much fun. And then I had Jamie, this little uh, new girl from Watergate. I had Rebecca and this was always this funny thing. We had so much nice talks and we had a wine. So yeah, and then you have a wine. <laughs> it was really nice and relaxing and also good. And I think sometimes you have to just like give it also to the people and let people participate on this, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And I think like, even when I was launching in February and I was ready to go and when you launched the podcast, I had to launch a few episodes at the same time. And I remember I felt a little nervous the day before. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm launching. I was like, oh my gosh, do I want to do this? (laughs) But then I did. And then, you know, and then you get the feedback from like friends and even the people, the guests, and they're like, thank you so much. And then you feel, you know, I said like, if I can make one person smile and feel happy and like, some love in their heart, then I'm happy. Like, it's okay. (laughs) Can you share with us maybe one or two muses in your life or that you've had throughout your career that you'd like to maybe give a shout out to? It could be a friend, an artist that maybe you were like, wow, I'm inspired. Muses is such a a big word. (laughs) You know, it's always used in a certain concept you think about. So I can't really use this word, but of Mm. course I where I was really looking up and still doing and in Germany we have this DJ Kotze which is for me one of my you heard about him what's the name DJ Kotze no (laughs) okay cozy cozy yeah oh oh sorry you're saying (laughs) yes I do know I do know (laughs) yes no 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 I do I just didn't hear right (laughs) and he is for me oh no he's amazing yes okay continue (laughs) so out of pressure you know when he when you see him spinning he just put what he feels is my intention and I love this he's so full of freedom and he gives a shit about what people thinking or if it's correct what he's playing you know sometimes you are like or if the audience will love this and mostly the audience love this what kind of track he always put on 
And he is for me one of the most, a big idol and a big inspiration always in his productions and in his DJ sets and in his mind somehow. So, but of course I know him, but it's not, I can't tell him like a muse or something. You know? Yeah, no, it's someone that's inspiring when you see, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he's one of the biggest for me inspiration. And I mean, we have in Germany, we had a lot of uh, great DJs and producers, especially when I started, when all this minimal hype was, where always Cozy was always already big. So I like this, and I, but he is my favorite. Amazing. Actually, I want to tell you that one of my past guests, I think it was either, I think it was Francesca Lombardo. You, she said you as her muse. Yeah. (laughs) I swear. I think it was Francesca. I believe it was Fran. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's going to be on the podcast soon. (laughs) Woohoo. Yeah. (laughs) So see, you're also a a muse, musai. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. I mean, I also have like one a favorite back-to-back um, partner and I love to see her and we're chatting is Cassie. Oh, yeah. Uh, so sometimes, oh, I'm really missing her. We were not, but, but we suddenly played quite a lot of gigs together back-to-back. That's the thing. Like, do you find, obviously you've done back-to-back, I'm sure with many artists, but you found that you had a quite synergy with her. So it's like, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I have to say, I don't want to open up this discussion, but I also did a lot of back-to-backs with a lot of girls and I have the feeling... Doing back-to-back with girls is super easy and nice. Okay, I'm just open up the stereo. Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> now they were always putting like, I put this track on. Like, I'm going to play better than you. It's not more of a like, we're better, making... But they were so, and the girls are always like, oh, she put this. Okay, this would fit. So it's, I don't know, it's more... Ridiculous. They're trying to play more of a like, let's compliment each other rather than like kind of compete back-to-back. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to make it... Maybe I have to <laughs> Part. And you're yeah. probably right. <laughs> Let's be honest. Francesca, and this was always like fun, you know. It was mm-hmm. like at home and playing records for yourself. For yeah, it. yeah. I played this for a while, and you always say, "My God, you played this." Maybe this fits, you know. And then you're like, <laughs> "I want to play back to back with someone." <laughs> I don't know how to play it, but I'm going to learn. <laughs> and then, oh, you know that. And this is more. I don't know. It was absolutely more relaxed, and yeah, I like this. So fun. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's so funny. Okay, so we're going to get to the Follow Your Bliss finale question. And it's going to be, can you share with us one positive affirmation or encouraging life advice you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh my God, I'm hating to give life advice because I think I'm always, I don't like um, to give advices because everyone has to make, unfortunately, his own mistakes and stuff like this. Yes. (laughs) advice that I always can give and what I'm giving since years is that you always have to be true to yourself and be yourself because Mm -hmm. if you're not, being authentic people will get this one day and this makes no one happy and you know i'm not a big fan of an installment of a dj or like this marketing business technical strategies i think you always have to do what you're really feeling and also when i started a lot of people they're looking up to someone and like them and want to be like them or producing like this or you know, you give music to someone and say, hey, I just made this music just for your label. No, do the music just for yourself and then sending out. You know? Yes, yes. I find that I, I hear this sometimes when I was working with other artists, they would say, oh, I made this especially for this label and we want to be on this label. But it's like, but you're not doing it for you. It's not coming from your heart space. Like you're just mold, fitting in the mold to like be on that label specifically, but you should be making it for like what's coming out of you creatively so that... Then whoever is like, I like this, then it's more organic than, you know, 
And there are some, at the moment, I'm really happy because sometimes I see, I mean, there's so many new kids and they're interpreting techno music completely differently without looking up to this blah, blah, blah. And this is super nice to see and I'm really supportive. And, and it's quite interesting to see there's suddenly a young scene and this could be also probably, probably it's a chance of the pandemic because suddenly there is so much stuff going on still and we are not aware of it. And I love this, that probably... There will be suddenly new superstars. We never heard about it with completely new structures and a completely new following. And I like this idea. So <laughs> let's see. It's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of this, creatively speaking, after everything and see where everything really goes ultimately. Yeah, we will see. Hopefully, we'll see. I know. Yes. Well, it was so great to speak to you today on the podcast. Actually, everybody, Anya will be making a Musai guest mix for us. So let's stay tuned and we'll be so excited to hear what she comes up with, with her mood of the day and how she's feeling and, you know, be creative, do what you're feeling from your heart. (laughs) I will. (laughs) I know you will. (laughs) So yeah, well, thanks so much for speaking today. I'm so happy to see your face and, you know, connect and share with everyone, you know, what you're up to and, you know, these little pieces of hope that we're talking about. (laughs) And hopefully um, hopefully I'm going to see you soon all together on a dance floor. I know. But thank I you hope. so much for finding me. It was really nice. Thank you. And it was really made my day because I didn't have so much things to do. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. The Afro spritz and, uh, you know, a conversation about dance music and everything positive. <laughs> thank you so much. Take care. See you soon. <laughs>